Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah. Amma ba'd. <coughs> First of all, I apologize. I have a bit of a sore throat, so um, if I sound slightly husky, um, then that's the reason why. Jazakallah uh, khairan for um, finding this, watching this. I don't know what the right term is for Facebook Live. Um, and uh, inshallah, we are. This is the very first IFG tafsir that we are um, that we've done that we're doing. Inshallah, there'll be many more to come. And the uh, I thought the first thing I'd do is just talk a little bit about the the background as to you know why we're doing this, what do we want to get out of this, um, and uh, inshallah, how uh, you know you guys can benefit from from this tafsir as well. Uh, inshallah. And um, I suppose that the, the first basic reason why we're doing this is uh, for myself. Um, I, I find as uh, someone who uh, works as a professional in the city, I'm, I'm a lawyer by, by trade, um, that you can often lose touch with um, your, uh, your time with the Quran as you grow older, as you get kids. Um, as you get more senior in your professional life and for me this is uh, a class that inshallah we want to do maybe every two weeks and we're open to your thoughts and to your um, ideas about this um, so that we have something regular to uh, force us in a way to go back to the Quran and think about it in a, in a deeper way uh, and think about it in a um, in a way where we are uh, it's not just you know reciting it in um, the Salah, for example, it's not just um, maybe reading it without meaning. It's reading it with meaning, but also then thinking about it and how it applies to our lives. And it's that's the you know the active bit that we often miss out um, in in these things. And in terms of um, the the format, it's fairly relaxed. I mean, as you can see, I'm um, at home. Uh, in, in you know, I'm in a house. I'm um, sat quite comfortably, and and that's the kind of vibe that we want to go for. Like this is not something um, inaccessible and we want to keep it quite relaxed. We want to welcome people in and, you know, if you've got any uh, comments and questions, please do pipe up. Um, and in terms of the, the methodology, if you want to call it that, what we're doing here is not uh, reinventing the wheel. We are um, very much going to be uh, sticking to the standard tafasir. Uh, but the, the, the thing that I want to try and do and try and bring out is um, that a lot of the, the tafasir and a lot of the things in the Qur'an, um, we sometimes fail to properly apply them to our times and to our, our lives and to our context. And it's that which I really want to um, uh, get us to start doing. Uh, and we'll be talking in specifically, I mean, given you know IFG, given um, what we do, we'll be talking a lot about business and economics and finance, trade, wealth, the distribution of wealth, potentially how even how you structure a society um, from an economic and maybe even a political perspective to some extent. Um, uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the traditional Islamic finance topics like mortgages and investments and all of that kind of stuff will come up. Um, and we'll be, we won't be going through the Quran systematically. That's an important thing to remember. So we won't be going through the Quran in a you know, blow by blow analysis because, um, frankly, there's not much um, you know economic benefit that you will get from the story of the the calf in Surah Baqarah. Um, although now that I say that, maybe there is maybe there is some benefit. And, and this is I suppose the this is the 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 benefit of going for this kind of analysis where you look you're reading the Quran through a lens through a prism almost of um, economics or wealth finance and your reading the very same text but looking at it in a slightly different way and that really adds value because um, you're looking at things completely afresh uh, and this is not something that you know as I said earlier this is not something that is going to uh, break new ground after 1400 years I'm not going to be discovering any new uh, great discovery but what we are going to try and do is try and look at the Quran the very same Quran that was revealed 1400 years ago but look at it from a 21st century um, professional's perspective, and that will be equally relevant um, today as it was back then. Uh, but the relevance and how it's relevant, that's what we will be discussing. Um, and, and then 
ideally what I would like to do is also bring out some really practical benefits um, that we can take away um, and think about and um, bring into action in our lives. Um, so it, for, for the starting um, uh, bit of the Quran, uh, so I, I started going through the Quran, highlighting up the key sections that I think we'd like to talk about. Uh, and inshallah, I think at the end of it, we'll have a really good um, uh, sense of where we are at. And it might be that we might start again because the Quran is something that you just carry on spending time with. Uh, the very first section that we'll be um, that we'll be covering is Surah Fatiha. So um, I'll, I'll recite Surah Fatiha, and, and I advise you to um, perhaps pull it up on the screen. I mean, I'm sure all of you guys know what Surah Fatiha, but the benefit of having it on the screen is you you can see the written word, um, and sometimes that triggers um, some thoughts. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim Maliki Yawmiddin Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka nasta'een Ihdina al-sirata al-mustaqeem Sirata al-lazina an'amta alayhim Ghayri al-maghtubi alayhim and the translation of that is um, I seek refuge in Allah subhanahu, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the shaitan, the accursed in the name of Allah, the entirely merciful, the especially merciful all praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds the entirely merciful, especially merciful sovereign of the day of recompense if it is you we worship and you we ask for help guide us to the straight path the path of those whom you have bestowed favor upon not of those who you who have evoked your anger of those who you have um, or those who are astray now there are a few themes that we're going to hopefully try and touch upon in the next half an hour or so um, and in brief the first is arrogance and talking about arrogance and what role that has to play the second is about um, the the world around us and how everything around us is, is a sign of the creator and how um, the economy and the complexity of the financial world is also a sign of the creator. Um, then we'll be talking about how um, Rahma, what, what, what is this concept of Rahma and how does it apply to us and how should we be Rahman uh, in the world as well. And then finally, if we get the chance, I'd like to talk, talk about, a little bit about um, taking account of ourselves, how we should be taking account of ourselves, what are the parameters with which uh, we take account of ourselves, um, and then um, what are the key things that we should be trying to implement in our lives um, and, and uh, making sure that we have um, week in, week out, and making sure that we update those things. So in terms of um, the first thing, the very first thing that we start with is a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim so even before we get into the quran itself we are saying the ta'awudh we are saying i seek refuge in allah from the shaitan the cursed or the ones who, the one who is uh, extremely uh, despised um, rajim is literally from rajam to stone someone uh, so it's that kind of um, uh, Despised, uh, despised individual that we're talking about. Rasulullah he used to uh, seek refuge uh, from the arrogance of shaitan. So he used to seek refuge from his hamas, his nafaq and his nafaq. Uh, so he used to seek refuge from his uh, asphyxiation, his choking, um, from his arrogance and also from his poetry. And shaitan, if you, if you um, read further in the Quran, just a few more pages, we, we find the reason why shaitan is actually the most accursed. And the core reason why shaitan was most cursed was not because he, he didn't have knowledge. Shaitan is um, a very old individual um, and therefore he has a mass of knowledge. He has more knowledge than any scholar has of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has spoken to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He has been with the angels. Um, this is a kind of uh, deep knowledge that none of us um, has 
Shaitan is uh, is not the most accursed because of his lack of worship. Shaitan was one of the most pious, the most worshiping of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That's why he was raised up to the to the uh, realms of the angels in the first place. So why was Shaitan so accursed? Shaitan was so accursed because uh, when Allah Subhanahu wa Taala he asked him to bow down to Adam in the story that comes later on. He refused and he was arrogant and he became from those who disbelieved. So Shaitan was accursed because of his arrogance. And Rasulullah he also seeks refuge from Shaitan's arrogance. So there's, uh, there's two things that I think we, we should derive from this. The first is that um, Shaitan uh, was most accursed because of his arrogance. And we need to have a think about you know how how is arrogance? What role does arrogance have to play in our lives today, uh, particularly in the lives of uh, professionals, and more specifically, I mean, for me and for other friends of mine, uh, professionals who work in the city. Um, and then the second thing is that uh, why is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala um, putting this da'wah at the start of um, this surah in the first place, at the start of the Quran in the first place, and uh, in a way to to deal with that issue first, it's simply because right from the start we have to approach the quran from the right perspective in order for that to have any benefit for us if we are approaching the quran from the perspective of we know everything then it's unlikely that it is going to be beneficial to us if we approach the quran from the perspective of um we are only going to read those things and agree with those things that we like then um uh, again that's not going to be beneficial and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he talks about those people that uh, do you only believe in some of the book and leave off some of the other parts of the book? If you do that, then of course that is extremely problematic. You're not going to benefit from the Quran. So, um, so that's one important thing to talk about. The other uh, benefit that we get from this is this arrogance. And and really, if there's one thing we take away from this session, it's this arrogance aspect because I think it's actually a really um, problematic issue for people who are young professionals living in um, uh, living in modern day Britain living in modern day um, uh, well the world and um, the, the reason why I say that is because you uh, as a professional in, from a British Muslim family generally speaking that means that your parents will not have been very well educated that your parents will likely not be as quote-unquote intelligent or as educated as you they will um, likely not be particularly sophisticated you, they may never have gone to university they may ne never have even gone to secondary school or college um, and to the, for those who have you, you certainly will um, if, if uh, it's very likely that you will be um, again more sophisticated than, than they will be and so there is this kind of a gap between you and your family and then there's a gap between you and the rest of the community because uh, about 44 45 percent of the muslim community in the uk lives in the 10 percent poorest constituencies in the uk now what that means is that um, again uh, if you are a, a professional city professional earning um, you know well over the the mean or the median salary in the uk again there's a big disjunct between you and your community now that unfortunately those kind of things as you can see can become the seeds of arrogance either explicit or implicit and that is extremely problematic because um, there's a there's a hadith uh, uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud he narrates the Prophet ﷺ said that no one who has even the weight of a seed of arrogance in his heart will enter paradise uh, and someone said, but a man loves to have beautiful clothes and shoes. And the Prophet said, indeed, Allah loves beauty. Uh, and, uh, indeed, Allah is beautiful and he loves beauty. So arrogance here uh, means rejecting the truth and looking down upon people. Uh, so that's the, uh, the hadith um, from Muslim. And in, in our lives, um, coming back to this point about um, professionals and um, you know, being more sophisticated, this can manifest itself in many ways. As I said, with parents, it can manifest itself. It can manifest itself with our community. We can we can start measuring people by a yardstick of what um, you know, what's their salary, what university do they go to, what um, firm do they work at. I mean, this is um, 
this is uh, something that I think is uh, I'm seeing firsthand uh, as a as a lawyer. You know, you have um, a lot of brand value attached to certain firms, and um, if you don't work for those kind of in brands, then uh, somehow you're lesser of a lawyer. And while there may be, you know, some truth to you'll be doing different work, you'll be doing more sophisticated work at a larger firm that you work at. That does not mean that you um, you um, attach any lesser human value to that individual who works at a less, lesser firm. And that's really important for us to, to remember and, and sometimes we miss out on. And the other thing is that you, you as a um, professional have chosen a certain way of life. You've chosen to um, potentially devote a lot of time to your job. You might work on weekends. You might work on evenings. You might have... Uh, quite odd working hours um, if you're working uh, from home some days you might be off on Monday you might be working on a Saturday you um, uh, all of us often have our work phones um, and so we're um, plugged in um, constantly sometimes to our work and that has uh, that has an impact and so we've chosen a, an approach to our life and we have uh, and other people have chosen a different approach and now what sometimes can happen is we start thinking that people who have chosen a different approach are somehow less um, than us or have chosen something that is easier or that have chosen something that is um, uh, you know, not as worthy of, um, of value or not as worthy of praise uh, as what we've done. And again, that is an extremely problematic um, uh, position to hold uh, and it's uh, it certainly doesn't fall within that hadith of you know having that weight of a seed of arrogance um, within our bodies then the other thing that we have is um, as uh, professionals we can be quite detached sometimes from our um, communities and from our um, even local areas I know I know people who are working in the city who are um, sometimes uh, for a few days will literally come home in the middle of the night sleep for a few hours and then go back to work and that's generally the lower end at the um, younger end of the spectrum as they're getting into the profession um, and uh, other people they might be traveling long distances they might be living abroad uh, for a few days or for a few weeks or a few months or even a year perhaps um, and so that put, puts a distance between you and your community uh, and and sometimes what happens there is that um, you uh, there's two things one could be just apathy and you lose touch with your community and that has an impact but then the other thing is you um, start uh, almost looking down on your own community and you want to have a distance between them and you uh, and so that can be uh, in the form of where you choose to live in that area do you choose to live near a masjid do you choose to live near your community or do you choose to live elsewhere um, and, and for, for what reasons that might be. Um, if, if it's for the reasons um, that we are discussing here, which is you, you're not really that comfortable with, with being around other Muslims, um, then that's a problem. And if that's the case, then uh, that, you know, there's a hadith, Rasulullah he says that the Muslimina, um, they are like one body. And if um, a portion of the body is uh, is hurt or ill, then the rest of the body feels that pain and that uh, hurt. So I've um, you know got a got a bit of a cold, as you as you can probably hear, um, and because of that, you get aches and pains throughout your body. The same is the case for uh, Muslims. That when we um, see ourselves as part of a wider community, then we should feel the aches and pains of the rest of the community. Now, if you're just going to divorce yourself from the rest of the community, specifically for the reason that you're, you, know, you don't really see yourself as part of that class anymore, you don't really associate with people um, of that background anymore, then that is hugely problematic. That is very, very problematic. And we see that trend increasingly. As you get more affluent, uh, the younger generation start moving out. And, and I think that, I mean, this is a personal view of mine, uh, and there are other reasons for going out into, uh, you know, other areas. Um, so, so don't get me wrong about that. But I do think that we should maintain absolutely our relationship with our community. Uh, and, and another um, barometer of that is how um, closely we stay in touch with our, um, with our masajid. I mean, do we know 
uh, our local imam? Do we, have we spoken to our local imam? Do we know people in the local masjid? Uh, and I say this to myself first. I think we need to reach out and build those relationships because, because otherwise um, we're not um, staying in touch with our communities. And that has a potential detrimental impact upon, upon us, um, first and foremost. Um, and then uh, I suppose the, the final thing is that um, in relation to scholars, this has a big impact to play. Um, so when we, uh, and ironically, a lot of people come to IFG because they feel that um, uh, a lot of uh, scholars, um, sometimes they, they lack the, uh, the technical you know, financial knowledge or the technical expertise to deal with um, modern day uh, economic or, or financial issues. Uh, and you know, that's a point that I, that I take. But that does not mean then that we go from down this slippery slope where we start um, denigrating and looking down upon people who, um, uh, scholars who um, may not be necessarily as well-spoken as, um, you know, yourself uh, or well-spoken as um, someone with a, um, you know, a PhD from a good university. Um, they may be... Uh, uh, the English may not necessarily even be their first language. They may not necessarily be an expert in uh, finance. They may not understand what, um, you know, un the unwritten constitution that we have in the UK, how that whole concept works. They may not understand these things, but yet they still are a scholar. And we need to be uh, incredibly humble because the opposite of arrogance is humbleness. And that's what we should be adopting within ourselves. We should be humble when we approach um, scholarship generally. And uh, we should, I mean, the, I don't see you know, myself at all as a scholar and, uh, and all of us, I, I presume, in this room are the same. And we should always uh, be incredibly humble towards other scholars and it, uh, towards um, uh, all scholars um, uh, that we come across. And, and that means both in person, but also online as well. Uh, and um, it is only once we are humble that we will actually benefit from them. Because uh, let's, let's say that someone makes a, uh, a point in a very sophisticated fashion um, and you know, that, that um, uh, really strikes us and it, we really are gripped by that, by that point. And then your mum or someone uh, from the local masjid may make the very same point but in less sophisticated terms. The core intuitions behind the people's, behind those two individuals' statement is actually the same, and, um, and yet we approach it in different ways. Why is that? I mean, part of that is, um, part of that is this uh, subconscious arrogance that we might have, or this subconscious um, uh, uh, you know, bias that we might have towards the way a person behaves, address, addresses, or acts, uh, and the background that he comes from. We, honestly need to have a really open mind about these things and if we don't then we are um then we are heading towards this kind of uh uh this kind of problem that we talked about in this hadith uh, of uh, abdullah ibn mas'ud uh so that's that's the first thing uh, uh that i want to talk about the ta'awud about arrogance uh, and how allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he uh, mentions that very first uh, first up in the quran that is something we absolutely shouldn't be doing. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, uh, then we carry on, we say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. And by the way, you should go away and read the, the standard tafsir on this. Uh, tafsir Ibn Kathir is an easy one. It's been translated. Uh, and you should go away and read the standard tafsir. I'm not going to, um, this is not your standard tafsir class in the sense that I'm not going to go through a word-by-word -word analysis. I'm not going to um, go through all of the different hadith and the different views about um, about each ayah. Um, what, I, what I want to do, as I mentioned, is um, look at the applications, especially the, um, the financial, economic, and modern-day um, professional life applications, if you want to call it that. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, uh, in the name of Allah, the most merciful, the most extremely merciful. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we should be starting everything um, with Bismillah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We should be starting everything that we do that is good with the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that means both offline but also online. Um, and uh, and that means um, if we open a document, I mean, how many times have do we open a document? That is something that we will uh, that uh, maybe a hundred years ago no one would have done in the same way 
that we do today. Uh, in fact, definitely no one will have done that in the same way that we do today. Um, and yet, uh, it's much more tangible if we open a doc, if we open a book, uh, to think, all right, we need to say Bismillah as we start this new book. But how many times do we think about saying Bismillah when we open a new document? So it's, it's small things like that that we need to start uh, implementing uh, this Bismillah. Uh, and the other benefit that we of of course get from saying Bismillah is that it recenters us to the reason why we're doing that thing. Is is that thing um, something befitting of saying Bismillah before it? I mean, if it's not, then you shouldn't probably be doing that thing. Uh, and if it is, then you should be saying Bismillah. And uh, and when you say Bismillah, the the approach that you have to that thing is going to be much more different to um, the approach that you would otherwise have. Um, you, you're much more God conscious about um, what you do. Uh, so that's uh, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Uh, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala He goes on and He says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise, Hamd, all praise is for the the Lord for the sustainer, for the creator, for the master, for the um, one who gives us risk uh, of all of the worlds. So not the alam, alameen, all of the worlds. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Now, uh, there's lots to be said here, uh, but I, I really want to hit home on, a, on a, just a few points. The first is that um, a lot of scholars, when they discuss this, the traditional approach is that you will uh, talk about um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his majesty and his might in that he is the sustainer and the creator and the nourisher of the universe, the solar system, the Big Bang, you know, all of these uh, incomprehensible, uh, incomprehensibly large things. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is sustaining them. But sometimes... We, um, and, and the other approach that some scholars take is we will look into our own bodies and it's incredible how, um, how complicated, how complex and yet how perfect our bodies are when they fit together uh, and, and work. And, and it got me thinking about uh, how we approach the universe generally, because if you think about it, then everything around us is an ayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then we, we have some ayah, ayat, um, uh, of the Quran uh, from the Nusus, we have the ayat of the Quran that we are discussing today, and then we have the ayat uh, Gauniya, uh, we have the ayat of the universe, and we have the ayat um, of the world around us. So, when we see this um, laptop, for example, that in itself is an ayah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And every ayah, the purpose of that is to take us to it's an indicator, isn't it? It's an indicator. Uh, it's a sign of something. And what is it a sign of? It's a sign of the Creator. So everything around us has been designed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to point to Him uh, and to remind us of Him. And uh, and the economy and the financial world and um, the you know the investment world is no different. So I work in the uh, as a as a fund formation lawyer and I thought it'd be an interesting way of uh, explaining what I mean by talking about what it is I do. So when, uh, so in my profession, we generally work for fund managers. Uh, so these people, they will uh, raise money from pension funds and other uh, sovereign wealth funds and uh, maybe high net worth individuals uh, and banks or whoever. And they will raise uh, maybe let's say a billion, two billion pounds. And then they will invest that money into different companies. So they might invest it into something like, um, Jack Wills or TK Maxx, or they might invest it in a high street, um, uh, you know, body shop. I mean, I don't know if any of these are actually owned by private equity companies or not, but um, but let's say they are, and and many of these companies are actually owned by um, by these fund managers. So these fund managers then invest in these companies, and these companies are the very same companies that employ you and I, and these companies are the very same companies that boost this economy and give strength to the, the pound that we will then spend. Uh, and these companies are the very same companies that when they make a profit, they will pass it back to the fund. Uh, and the fund managers will take that cut and then they'll pass it on to the pension fund. And the pension fund is owned by who? You and I once again. So in a way, there's this circle that goes around, this uh, really complicated and complex circle um, that's going on where um, we spend money uh, in the economy, 
um, money that we might have got, for example, from our pension, and that money will then percolate through the economy. Uh, and uh, if if we spend money and a and a business benefits from that, and that business profits, and there's a the the business of the uh, uh, the the profits of that business grow, then that business will pass its profits back up, and that circle um, c continues. And there's this cycle of wealth that is happening, and all of us are part of this cycle of wealth. And this cycle of wealth is crucial. And whenever it, you know, gets gets ill, if you want to call it that, or it, or it knocks itself off slightly, then we have a problem. Then we have a credit crunch. Then we have a financial crisis. And um, and yet, you know, when it's working perfectly, we uh, we don't even realize it. And we are all part of this system. And uh, and I think this is um, this is an ayah of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala that the way um, the uh, the money flows around our economy and the way things fit together. Rasulullah he was um, uh, he said uh, in a, in a hadith he said Allahu al musaid Allah is the one who sets prices um, and this is in a in a in, in a context um, where people asked him to set prices because prices of food were were becoming really high and he uh, and he was asked to set the prices and Allah subhanahu wa taala said I can't set the prices the the price setter is Allah subhanahu wa taala uh, and and that to me was a fascinating um, hadith because we don't really think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the economic realm, uh, but actually we really should because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he not only sustains the natural um, economy or the ecological economy, he not only sustains our, live, our lives uh, and our risk, but he also um, gives... Uh, is, is the source of all of the sophistication that lies behind our complex cultural um, heritage, our complex social dynamics, but also our complex financial and economic dynamics. And the really crucial point that I want um, to take away from that is that um, when we are day-to-day -day engaged in this world of finance or economics or business, we need to take a step back and think, hang on, this is actually a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that um, people are putting in so much time and effort and this is uh, money that is flowing through the economy and it's doing a certain thing and all of this is necessary for this whole thing to work. And, um, and, and we, should, we, we should appreciate that um, aspect of, of, um, of our work um, because um, that's, uh, that's also a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, so, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Uh, and the other thing that, I, that is important to remember here is that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is the Rabb of Alameen. He is the sustainer of the Alameen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is um, the one who has said that you don't need to worry about your risk. Your risk is already written. So, um, don't stress about where your you know if you're going to remain in your job or if you're going to get the job that you want or if you're if you're unemployed where how you're going to survive don't worry about those things because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said uh, that he will um, he is the raziq he will make sure that you are looked after uh, and he will um, hisab. he will give to people without any uh, you know uh, limit if he wants to uh, so we we shouldn't worry about this. Um, uh, Imam Shafi'i says, "Tawakkal, uh, fi riski ala Allahi khaliqi, wa akintu anna Allah la shakka raziqi, uh, wa aykintu anna Allah la shakka raziqi." Uh, for my daily bread, I relied upon Allah, my Creator, and I believed Allah is no doubt my sustainer, and that there is for me in risk I will not lose, though it may be um, at the bottom of the deepest sea. And Allah the Great will bring out by His bounty, though my tongue made not a sound. So you don't even have to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He will give to you. Uh, uh, so to what end does the soul become heartbroken when the merciful has already distributed the sustenance of all of creation? Um, and, uh, you know, this is Imam Shafi'i and he has many, many poems um, of this kind. Uh, 
where he says, don't worry about the risk. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written that. And the very first you know, ayahs of the Quran it is a, a testament to that. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Um, he is the sustainer of all of mankind uh, and all of the worlds. Um, so you don't need to worry about that. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. The, the most merciful, the specifically merciful. So Rahman is general mercy, Ar-Rahim is specific mercy, and there's lots you know, written about this, so I won't go into that. But what I thought I'd talk about is uh, the hadith about uh, Rahma. Um, and, and this is uh, the hadith uh, where Rasulullah he says, uh, let me just check, I think this is a, uh, this might be a hadith Qudsi. Um, no, so this is a hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The people who are merciful, who have rahmah, they will be shown mercy by the merciful, the most merciful, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Be merciful to those who are upon this earth. And the one who is in the sky will be merciful to you. And this uh, got me thinking, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. So if we want Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala's mercy, and this is general mercy, but also specific mercy that's been given to us uh, as Muslims. Uh, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Taala says He is specifically merciful to the, to the Mu'mineen. And He is merciful to us in this life and in the Akhirah. If we want this mercy, if we want Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness, if we want his uh, blessings, then what should we be doing? Well, we should be um, Rahman ourselves. We should have um, Rahma to the creation and people around us ourselves. Um, what does that mean? Well, there was a, um, a sheikh uh, whose uh, lecture I went to a while back, and he said something very profound, and he said that there's um, concentric circles of Rahma. Uh, if you are standing in a road and uh, a truck is coming towards you and you're maybe with your family and you jump out of the way of that road, then you have protected yourself um, from that um, oncoming uh, truck. And that's shown a degree of mercy because it's, it's uh, showing some kind of protection and some kind of uh, caution to, um, uh, to the danger. Now, if you extend that mercy a little bit further if you have more rahma and you grab your child and you drag him off the street as well then that's increasing that mercy so that circle the concentric circles expand out further and then um you might be merciful towards wider society you might think oh this these trucks keep on coming down this road let's put up a sign so you're extending out your rahma to wider society then you might think hang on, this is a problem. Why, why do we have these uh, trucks at 9 a.m. in the mornings um, around the globe that are causing uh, pollution and causing these uh, traffic, traffic accidents? Let's start a global campaign. Um, and, you know, you get your hashtags going and, uh, you know, you start thinking about how to ban trucks and uh, th this sort of thing. And that's now thinking about things globally. And, of course, the most, and you're getting more and more Rahman as you as you expand expand out and ultimately Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he you know um, he wants us to, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is obviously the most merciful but in terms of human beings the uh, the most merciful uh, was described as Rahmatul lil alameen uh, Rasulullah he came as a Rahmah as a mercy for all of mankind so he was the most Rahman and that's the you know the example that we are heading towards but in terms of our lives how can we practically then be Rahman? How can we have Rahma and mercy and care for other people that will make us um, become part of the Rahimun um, who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show mercy towards? So there was, there was a few things that I was thinking about and it would be interesting um, to hear your thoughts about this as well. Um, so I've, I've just had a few initial thoughts. The first is, as a, a city professional, um, and as professionals in uh, everyday life, uh, as academics, uh, you might be uh, at university, at a, you might be at a good university. Um, you need to think about people who are earlier than you in your uh, career. You might look at people who are uh, younger than you. You might look at people who are trying to get to this level that you're at. Um, and you should not draw up the drawbridge. You should not pull up 
the, the ladder after you. You should really help those people get to that level. And it's so crucial. And sometimes we think that, oh, you know, I didn't really have that help. So um, you, don't, you don't need that help to get here. Um, I, I, and I don't, I don't see why I should be helping you. In fact, what, uh, if I helped you, it'll make things easier for you. So it, it'll help you grow as an individual if I don't help you. No, we should be helping um, people who are not at um, our level in our career or uh, in terms of education who are younger than us and are trying to access a certain level uh, or even people who are not who are maybe our um, uh, you know the same age of us same age as us uh, if they want to get into a different area that we can help them with we should help them so we should absolutely not be drawing up the drawbridge because that is not rahma rahma is to really care for other people and that means practically it means if someone gives sends you a linkedin message then you should reply to that it doesn't have to be uh, a magnum opus response it could just be a few words but i i personally feel that that's incredibly important um as as a as a practicing muslim i think that's incredibly important uh, in terms of etiquette but in terms of my my duty and our duty to um people who who might look up to where we are and 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 want to progress in their career and and to be honest the people that i've reached out to have uh, it's been a mixed bag uh, half of the people have been have come back and been incredibly helpful, uh, and uh, and some have ha haven't been. And um, you know, you sometimes realise many years down the line that um, you might meet that same person who hasn't been that helpful later on, uh, and and there's a bit of an awkward uh, situation. So you should never underestimate people either. Um, so um, you know, answer your LinkedIn messages. If someone says, "Oh, can you uh, talk to my kid?" or "Can you talk to this person about what he wants to do in the future?" And you talk to them and you think, this is it's a complete waste of my time. This, this person is never going to do what they, their parents want them to do. Um, you should still make that time to do that because that is showing rahmah to your, your community and that is showing rahmah to your contacts. And it's really important to do that. Um, and um, so, so that's the first thing. Don't drop the drawbridge. Um, the other thing is give your time and give your money uh, and particularly give your um, time because uh you are now in a uh, in a unique situation you're now in a unique position of trust where you've got to where many other people in your community in your uh, muslim community in your family may not have got to so you you must put in that time and money um and particularly the time to um reinvest back into the community and i want to ask all of us what is it actually that we're doing um daily weekly monthly that is directly giving back to the community. Because if we're not giving back to the community, then what, what are we doing? We, we need to be giving back to that community if we can claim that we are really um, showing rahmah and we are really part of the, the rahimun. We need to be giving back uh, as much as we can. Uh, and that means uh, do it in a strategic way as well. So it doesn't mean uh, that you just, uh, you might do like a, a soup kitchen here or a soup kitchen there. If that's what, you think is the best thing you can do then you know go ahead and do that fantastic but a lot of us we can add strategic value so some of us might be um, uh, lawyers so they might help out in uh, in many different ways in, in the, the context of discrimination um, some of us might be management consultants so you can assess and analyze businesses and give um, free advice and add value that way I mean if you can create help create um, one more job just one more job for a business, then that adds 30, 40,000 uh, pounds more value to that community because you're employing someone and his family are living off that and their kids are getting educated because of that. So that is real tangible value that you as a management consultant can add to a business that would not otherwise be able to hire that individual. Uh, and so we need to think about these things from outside the box. Uh, and, then, uh, and then finally, we should uh, make sure that um, we are uh, in our approach generally we are merciful and open and kind and warm-hearted and uh, all of these things and in terms of our etiquette and in terms of our uh, the way we conduct ourselves um, the uh, the advice of um, uh, so in uh, surah furqan allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the ibadur rahman the the ibadur rahman the, the worshippers of the Rahman, again the word Rahma comes in there as well. The worst the worshippers of the Rahman 
are the ones who walk upon this earth hauna uh, in in humbleness and uh, they're, they're not arrogant in any way shape or form so we need to adopt that as part of our character we need to imbue that into our character so ar-rahman ar-rahim we need to we need to become ar-rahimun so that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he becomes uh, he, he shows us rahma irhamu man fil ard yarhamukum man fis sama if you show rahma to the people on this earth allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will show mercy uh, to you uh, in this world and in the akhirah uh, and and i've i've personally found that in in my uh, experiences and i'm sure many of you will have as well um uh, so you know it, it, by the way if you have any questions please do um feel free to share those questions um i'll be happy to um uh to take them in uh in a few minutes uh and then i, I suppose the final thing that i want to say uh before we wrap up because i i really only want to talk uh in on these things for about 45 45 50 minutes maximum and then um and then wrap up because i'm not sure about you but i find it difficult to concentrate but more than that uh, and I think it's important that we that we keep it quite brief. Malik Yomidin, master of the day of recompense, and we might actually pick up on this uh, next week as well and carry on. But one thing I I really wanted to talk about here is Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in in the very in the third ayah or the fourth ayah according to some of Surah Fatiha. He talks about the hisab. He talks about accountability. The master of the day of judgment. Day of judgment is the day of recompense. When you're going to be uh, accounted for, you know, the good and bad deeds are going to be weighed up and things are going to be decided. And hisab is a core part of uh, Islam. Uh, Umar al anhu, he, um, he says, uh, You should um, do account of yourself before you are accounted for, i.e., you should. Um, make an assessment of your own actions before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on the day of judgment makes an assessment about you um, and uh, there's a there's a hadith uh, of Rasulullah al-qaysu man there's a hadith uh, along the lines of that the the wise person is the one who uh, assesses um, his uh, his himself um, early on uh, let me just try and find the specific hadith. Al Qayyisu man dana nafsahu wa amil lima ba'd al maut. So you are um, the the wise person is the one who reckons for himself and assesses himself uh, and works for um, what is after death. Uh, and so that's part of accountability. Uh, and practically, what I wanted to leave for us is is two things. First is when we are accounting ourselves. If any of you have studied accountancy, you know that you set yourself a, a, a methodology according to which you account yourself. Because otherwise, what's your measuring stick? You can't just um, you can't just uh, you know make a list. You need to make a list with a purpose. Uh, and so um, the first thing we need to think about is what is our purpose in life and what are we doing? Uh, how is that all going to fit together? And, and I'll inshallah I'll expand on this maybe in the next session. Um, so we need to have a purpose and we need to think about this very deeply and maybe. You know, you guys go away and think about that in the next couple of weeks about how it fits into your own life, and we can have a discussion about this next week. Uh, but the other thing I wanted to talk about is something I found quite useful, which is thinking about four things that we should all have in a in a fruitful and prosperous life. The first thing is we should have an element of spirituality that we are working on constantly. So it could be uh, reading the uh, Hajjud, reading Fajr in the Masjid, reading more Quran. Uh, doing uh, our tahiyyat al-masjid, the two raka'ah when you walk into the masjid. It could be many things. Whatever is relevant for you, you put that in. So something spiritual. Then something um, entrepreneurial or business related. As I said, a huge part of our, our life is related to business, finance, commerce. Um, and we can add value uh, to ourselves, but also the world, if we are engaged in some kind of entrepreneurial business related activity. And that needs to, of course, link back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our purpose. And then we should have something that's creative. So how are we creating something new? Uh, it could be writing. It could be poetry. It could be acting. It could be, um, uh, it could be some kind of lyrics that we write. It could be, uh, if you're a medic, it could be inventing something new or a new process uh, or a new way of doing something. Uh, there's there's obviously a link between entrepreneurship and creativity, but that's something we should have. 
So spirituality, something spiritual, something entrepreneurial, something creative, uh, and then finally something physical. So we should have physical goals as well because uh, Islam is not just in the mind. Islam is a physical and a mental activity. The both of those things need to come together. That's why Salah is a physical thing but also a mental thing. And once those two things combine is when we really add um, proper value and we really understand and really get to what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to get to. And when we do sajda, there's a reason why we do sajda in the way that we do because the physical is intimately connected to the mental. Uh, and so we need to have uh, a physical goal. We need to look after our bodies. Uh, these are an amana Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given to us and um, we need to look after them. And so physical, spiritual, um, creative and entrepreneurial, those are the four things. And, and I personally try and keep a list of them, uh, maybe at work, where I uh, set myself a goal, um, which, you know, I've not necessarily very good at meeting, but at least you, know, you should have a goal uh, and try and meet that. Um, so I think with that, I'll I'll end um, today's session. I'll maybe stick around for a um, for a few minutes to see if there's any questions. Um, but otherwise, uh, I'll I think we should try and set this as a, maybe a bi-weekly thing. So that would may, mean that uh, the next session would be around the 10th of November. Um, but we'll uh, we'll circulate something on the uh, Islamic Finance Guru website, but also on the Facebook page um, for people to give them a heads up of this. And if you have any feedback about how we can improve this, things that you would like to see covered, um, anything else that we can do, then please do feel free to write to us. Uh, So it seems that um, there's no questions, which is good. Uh, if you do have any questions, then please feel free to um, drop us a line on IFG. We're normally quite responsive on that, um, or on Facebook, which we're slightly less responsive on. Um, but you can you can get in touch with us on either. And inshallah, we'd like to um, keep this going uh, in the future. Jazakallah khairan.